Welcome to Galaxy Forum. I'm your host, Melissa Kaplan, and we're here to explore what's happening in the LCC galaxy, in our classrooms and on campus, and connecting the work of our stars with our community. Lately, it seems that I could explore any number of topics with my guests, as we have many paths that cross. Both my guests today are dance artists, educators, and involved in community building. And what's cool about that is I think that all those paths intersect with our topic, which is leadership, specifically arts leadership, the leadership training programs that you two were selected for and completed, and how those programs are influencing your next steps and how you as leaders hope to influence the arts. So who are my guests? I will briefly introduce you both, uh, Lauren Mudry and Clara Martinez. Thank you so much for being here. Lauren is a professional dancer, choreographer, and educator who's been dancing for over 30 years and is an adjunct professor at LCC. That is substantial. I see you nodding there. Yes, that's a great, <laughs> great accomplishment. She's also a resident teaching dance artist uh, with the Kennedy Center Partners in Education at MSU's Wharton Center. She's Associate Artistic Director of Greater Lansing Ballet Company's Elements Contemporary Dance Company, and she's a fitness instructor at Michigan State University. Clara is the Dance Director at Everett High School for Performing Arts in Lansing, the Chair of the Michigan Dance Council, and she's a lifelong dancer. She represents Lansing's first ward on the city's Arts and Culture Commission and serves on the boards of all of the above Hip Hop Academy and the Cultural Advocacy Network of Michigan. And she just graduated with her master's degree in social work from MSU. Congratulations. Thank you. So thank you both for being here and, and joining for this conversation. Um, besides all these credentials, one thing I know from my experience with you both, Lauren, working together here at LCC, and I should mention that you're both alum, alumni of Lansing Community College mm -hmm. Dance. Yay, that's great. Um, and Clara, we've collaborated together in, in creating dance here at LCC. And um, when I served, when you were the chair of the, the mayor's arts education committee, um, and I was on that. And I what I know from you both is beyond dance, um, beyond community, you just have this incredible, deep commitment to students. And um, so before we talk leadership, I want to just get a sense from you each of where that, that passion for students comes from and teaching, you know, as teachers. Um, and it is enormously important. Um, and there are many teachers that, that, that bring that. Um, but since you're both here today, I'm, I'm really interested to hear from you about that. So whoever wants to dive in first. Yeah. Yeah, so I did not know that I wanted to be a teacher. I should have known by my obsession with highlighters and color coding everything. But <laughs> it was probably in my BFA program at Ohio State. You know, I went into undergrad really thinking I want to be a professional performer, and that was going to be my track. And then, you know, through a series of different health issues that I was having and just experiences and realizations that I was having, um, I discovered that it was not my primary passion, but my it was still within dance that I wanted to be, right? So I started to explore choreography and setting work and somewhere in between that and graduating, I sort of discovered I don't even necessarily know how much I want to impose my vision on other people's bodies, but more so how can I provide them an experience? And I think around that time, I probably should have understood that that's what teaching is, 
but <laughs> I did not, you know. And so going out into the real world, the first thing that you do as a person with a BFA in dance is you start teaching um, a lot of the time to make money, to get discovered, to put yourself out there. And I just remember off the bat being completely fascinated with that whole process of engaging with students in different geographic settings and different environments um, and how much you can really influence someone's life. Mm -hmm. I've seen um, the the pictures of the various rose ceremonies at the end of the oh. year at Everett, which is a way that students honor their teachers and... Uh, um, full of great appreciation and affection. So it's it's wonderful to see that and to yeah. hear how you came to be doing that. Yeah. Uh, Lauren? Um, it's kind of the same thing with Clara. It kind of happened all of a sudden. Um, but looking back, I, I think it was um, a teacher that I had um, when I was growing up giving me that responsibility to kind of work the si side by side especially with the younger kids. And that was, uh, it was a, a wonderful way to kind of see how dance, just not as a performer, but how the responsibility as a teacher in education was, um, was so important. And then when my journey led me to Eastern Michigan to do my, um, to complete my dance degree, um, it was actually another professor that looked at me. I was actually thinking about doing dance therapy um, because I, I liked that mechanical trying to understand what the human body is trying to express, you know, um, and more of the internal um, happenings. But she looked at, I remember this very clearly, it was kind of like a, every once in a while you would come to your instructor and then they would say, how you doing? And, you know, what's going on? And she looked at me and she says, Lauren, you're going to be a teacher. Hmm. Did you ever think about that? <laughs> and I was like, no, you know, like, I think I always was like, I always enjoyed it, but I never really saw that as like the path. But that whole conversation that I had with her was like, oh, my goodness, like everything that has led me here was kind of helping me build this, this foundation to become a teacher. And so I explored that. And I realized that everything that I've learned, I about myself, um, past injuries, you know, dancers always get <laughs> injured or having little flare-ups every once in a while. That was also um, a good foundation to to really work with with people from all walks of life. And I really enjoyed giving a place of safety for those people that um, that were literally looking to continue dancing and and wanted a, an atmosphere where you know they could feel safe and, and brave and find out who they are as, as people and as artists. And I, I really was enjoying that. And that's why I was like, I'm going to pursue this. I really love when the, the light bulb goes off and, and seeing students from, it doesn't matter what age, four to adult, it's um, if they've been struggling to overcome something or work on something and it happens. Like that was the moment that I love is seeing that aha happen and being present to witness that moment. Um, that is the most rewarding thing. And I, that's just, it's just a beautiful thing to watch as a, as, as an educator. Um, what a gift to yeah. have that. Yeah. One thing that, that, um, you both said, and it, it, it just struck me is that you, you sort of, it wasn't like what you set out to do. 
I mean, that, that happens for a lot of us in life. We find an opportunity that we hadn't, hadn't even known might exist, but that, that, um, and, and sometimes I think leadership is, is, can be similar that you don't set out and go, I'm going to be a leader necessarily. Um, but you find that one of the things I love about the programs that you've both, uh, been, um, a part of is how intentional they are in terms of developing leadership skills for um, up and coming uh, uh, professionals um, in the arts. And um, so it, it just, it strikes me as an interesting uh, commonality between how you each got into teaching. I think how a lot of people might get into teaching. Um, but fortunately for both of you, it sparked something incredible and that in turn sparks your students. So these programs that you that you both were part of the Michigan Arts and Culture Council's Rising Leaders programs. Mm-hmm. Clara, was mm-hmm. it 20 what? 21 to 22. And you 22 to 23. Just completed that. Mm-hmm. And that's a statewide program and then Clara, you are part of the inaugural cohort of the National leaders of, uh, yeah, the of national leaders of color, color fellowship mm-hmm. program, um, which is a brand new program. Um, when I was studying, uh, and actually had an inclination to arts administration, there was nothing like that out there. I mean, it's, it's been been a decade or two, <laughs> yeah. and uh, but this is this is tremendous. So I want to know about these programs. What. Um, what they entail, uh, uh, Lauren, uh, if you could start and tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about the Arts, Michigan Arts and Culture Council's yep. Rising Leaders Program. Absolutely. Um, it's a rigorous, interactive, personal develop initiative. Um, it's, it's all about the advancement of Michigan arts and leaders and designed by the MACC and Partners in Performance. MACC, that's the Michigan Arts and Culture, Culture Council. Yep. yep. Much easier to say than the whole thing that I keep almost stumbling on. Um, and the program is, without sounding too cliche, life-changing. Really? It is. Um, back in, what was it, 2022, I, I always like going in... J- to programs just to advance, um, you know, increase knowledge or, you know, meet wonderful people. And, and I think with the pandemic, all of that kind of stopped. So I was really needing some type of, or I was craving, I guess. And so I would ask my fellow colleagues, is there anything out there that you would recommend? Because I'm looking for, I'm looking for something and I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And um, Clara was one of the people that I talked to and a, a fellow colleague and they were like, Rising Leaders Program, definitely. Like, I think you should um, put yourself in and see if see if they'll accept you and, and just go for it. So is it a competitive um, process? Is it open to, like, who's it open to and, um, and how do you get yeah. selected? I think the primary uh, candidates are anyone between the ages of, what, like 20 and 45 mm-hmm. uh, across the state of Michigan involved in the arts um, so, I mean, it's statewide open to apply and usually a, my, my cohort had 12 people and I know Lawrence had 16, so I'd say it's pretty selective. Mm-hmm. And it's a, how long does the program last? What does it involve? Are you in, you know, are they workshops or, or how does it? There are three, um, in, intensives. 
that go throughout the the year. So the first one for us, I don't know about, but it was um like October, January, and then in April. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of are spread out. And um, I will say this, that my whole core would agree with this, is that it always came at a wonderful time. Hmm. How so? Um, when we, so we had our first initiative, and so we go through the process. And then we are gone for a couple of months, working on our projects, going through life, right? But all of us would always come back to the next intensive and say, I really needed this at this moment. You know, something was happening back home with work, family, whatever it was. And I just needed a time to stop, pause and reflect. And the intensives I felt were an opportunity for us to really pause because we don't usually get that when we're constantly in our own habitats. (laughs) Right. So um, it always came at a very awesome time Um, and they all had something different to offer. And I, I truly believe that everything happens at the opportune time, even though sometimes you want things to happen when you want them to. But it just made the experience even more profound. And the bond that you get with the people that you're working with in these intensives, and even the the leaders that are leading these intensives, it's, I can't even put into words the experience that you are left with. Um, I was incredibly sad to for the last intensive to end because I thought it was so moving in so many ways. And I learned that I am capable of so much more than I realized. And that um, a lot of the things that I was told were weaknesses were actually armor and how powerful those are and that gave me the gas to really just be like okay you know what we're gonna do this I'm not gonna let fear take over I'm going to use these wonderful tools that these wonderful people even the people that I was sitting with I learned so much from they helped me realize the potential that I that I have and the family, the tribe that I created in that process, we we were able to let our guards down and be seen, which is hard, which is incredibly hard. And that's what this whole program really did was bring awareness to well, just being bringing awareness and, and realizing that a lot of the things that... Um, I still can give my students like preparing like safe and brave spaces for my students. I can utilize that. That is something that I can do. Um, And I mean, I could talk about this all day long, but (laughs) there is just there's just so many things that you are given in the process. Um, And I would recommend anybody that wants to learn more about not only themselves, but to be a, a better leader or a supporter of the arts or even just find a tribe that they can bounce ideas off of, and you don't feel like you're being judged. You feel like they're giving you feedback that's going to help you become better. So. That's tremendous. Yeah. Um, we're talking with Lauren Mudry and Clara Martinez about arts leadership and specifically about a, a couple of really wonderful programs, the MACC's Rising Leaders uh, 
program and the National Leaders of Color Fellowship Program. Clara, was your experience with the rising leaders similar to Lauren's? Yeah, I think that in a huge way, the Rising Leaders of Michigan program prepared me for the National Leaders of Color Fellowship. So it was nice to do one in connected to the other, right, um, consecutively. Um, the base of the the learning and the pedagogy for rising leaders for leadership as a concept starts with self-reflection, hmm. right? So in order to be a, a strong leader, to have integrity, to value the people in front of you, um, you have to come and work from a self-reflective place and you have to know yourself, right? You have to own your strengths, you have to own your weaknesses, um, and you have to be able to confront yourself and move forward from there. Or else the people that are in, you're in service to won't be able to do that, right? And I think they also, John um, McCann and um, Odell, nice. yeah, are so great. And Chad Swan Badger, that's just a really dynamic team of people that really push you to a, a place of vulnerability within yourself. So in order to serve the other people that are in your charge of leadership, right? Like are, are treated well. And I, th I think they do a really good job of talking about and framing leadership as service, not as a title, not as just a role that you play or a, a salary mm -hmm. level, right? Um, but anybody that is serving in an influential way is a leader. So that could be any job mm -hmm. that you could be in. So, yeah, you start from that place of self-reflection, and then they do give you some frameworks and some tools to work with that are, like, you know, evidence-based and um, focusing on how to influence others and how to be influenced to lead better. And then they push you towards your vision, your action plan, and, you know, how you want to be moving in the world. And you're right. A lot of the time, you know, when you're working professionally, you have to seek out that professional development and learning on your own. And for something to be tailored to artists, arts administrators, arts educators is really critical. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, tell me a little bit about the National Leaders of Color Fellowship Program. Yeah. That is, and it's brand new. I, I, it, mm -hmm. It's exciting. Yeah. So West Staff, which I can't remember all of the letters in the acronym, but they are the regional arts organization that serves... Uh, they're the equivalent to our arts Midwest, right? So okay. they're out on the western side of the state, and those are there are six U.S. RAOs, regional the arts. western side of this of Michigan. Uh, no, no, oh, sorry, the U.S. Of the country, yeah. Okay, like California. Um, yes, Washington. Got so it. the there are six RAOs, regional arts organizations, and they West Staff has had this program for a long time. I would say like ten years or so. Um, that they've run for their region. And this is the first one that is at, in a partnership with all of the RAOs at a national level. So we had one representative from each state and territory. And so I was the representative from Michigan. And it was really awesome to be able to get to know um, arts leaders that are of color from all across the country and create a tighter connection with those within my arts Midwest region. Um, I don't think I would have been able to take on the learning of that fellowship if not for participating in Rising Leaders first. So Rising Leaders, because it is an in-person intensive and it happens three times throughout the academic year, um, it's a very critical experience, I feel like. And it trained me in a way to be able to dive deeply into the curriculum for um, the National Leaders of Color. I can I can see how that would work. That's yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, 
and I'm also thinking in my mind, you're working on your master's degree at the same time and working full time and <laughs> da, 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 da. So, I have a lot of laundry to do. Let's just say that. Laundry, what's that? So I want to want to spend the rest of our, our time together talking with you about learning how, um, what you've learned, how you see that, you taking that, that forward um, and, you know, how that's going to influence you as, as professionals and how you want to use that. What, what do you want to you know, you mentioned something about creating a plan. I don't remember if it was you, Clara or Laura, but that that was part of what you what you have to do is creating kind of a vision. Um, what, how do you yep. see that playing out in the the near future and and impacting the community? So I realized through both of these programs that I am most passionate about dance in public schools and functioning within the public school education system across the country and community based dance practices. And the equity of, or the inequities, really, of um, dance across the country, right? In the United States, we don't have a primary culture of dance. And so, and in other in other cultures and countries, they do. Dance is more so at the forefront. People know how to dance. People socialize by dancing. And um, within our United States culture, we just don't have the same um, priority of dance. And so... The push that I feel and the vision that I have is all about envisioning people having access to dance within public schools. It should just be a right, right? It should just be available to people as a path of discovery. Um, you can become a professional dancer if you want. You can become a professional choreographer. But I think more so it's about being a cultured, educated uh, well-rounded person. And I think dance is the, because it's the embodied fine art, right? You are able to create art. You're able to understand it by um, witnessing it and watching it. You're able to perform it. You're able to reflect. So, and that's all done with your body, you know? So there's this visceral experience that happens for people. Whereas like you could put your viola down, mm -hmm. you could put your paintbrush, you know? And sometimes I envy those artists. Cause I'm like, I wish I could just put it away for a moment, right? But it's always with me. Um, so yeah, I think through both of those fellowships, I realized that that is my main priority. And I did my final project um, or my thesis project for my master's on the social justice aspects of having arts education in public schools from the lens of social work. And so all of those experiences time tied together, I feel like was a big whirlwind. And like I said, I have a lot of laundry and dishes to do, but um, it sort of just solidified that mentality and vision and experience for me. Lauren, how about you? Um, it it kind of ties into what Clara talked about. Um, I think for me, going through and and looking at the vision of where I I see myself after this experience, and it took me. When I got home on that last that last day, it took me a couple of days to kind of settle because there was just so much information. And I think the conclusion that I came to was that I, as an educator, as a, a, a person, as an artist that wears many hats in very different ways, that I want to provide an environment that's not only nurturing, um, but also brave and safe, where someone can come in 
and develop a vocabulary that's all of their own and and not feel the fear of being right or wrong. And I think that's why I love dance so much. It's a form of communication. It's a form of us trying to connect um, when we don't have words to really kind of... Your body is the way that you communicate. And I think that's what I've always been, you know, since I was little. It was a way for me to feel accepted and feeling like this is something great and it makes me feel good and I, I can express my feelings and and I want to provide that 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 environment for those people that feel they aren't heard and and nurturing them in a creative way where they can feel powerful. And it doesn't matter where you come from, how old you are. You can dance for everyone that wants to just jump into it. And as an educator, trying to make sure that the being brave and becoming a more um, reflective practitioner after this experience is making me more aware and see people um, in a different way and more of a... I was trying to figure out a good word. Trying to connect with them on a level where I see you. And it's going to be messy and complicated. But I'm here whenever you need me. Have fun. Get messy is always something that I say <laughs> with my students. Because I think it's important. Yeah. Um, and the things that I've learned are just... I'm a much better listener cuz I've always I always felt like I was a be- a good listener when when someone needed me but listening comes in very different ways and I think as a dancer you have to listen to how someone's using their body and how they're expressing their thoughts and maybe giving them space to figure that out um and it's a way to not only evolve as an educator but helping your students evolve as people. That's really powerful. And it's um, interesting, you both talked about the self-reflection, um, how that's an essential part of this training, um, and how, Lauren, I think you said tribe, you used the word tribe, but but how also being in contact, Clara, with with arts leaders from around the country, how there's a certain validation that you get. And um, I love what I'm hearing from both of you. Both will continue in, in teaching, um, but to, to, you know, really use these tools in the classroom and, and to further uh, those opportunities within the educational systems, whichever systems uh, you're working in. Um, what a great program or great programs these are and, and how fortunate that you're both here in the Lansing area. I <laughs> hate to cut us off, but I think we are just about out of time. So I want to thank you both, Lauren Mudry and Clara Martinez, for joining today. Um, it's, a, it's so valuable and so important and um, really grateful that those programs exist and that you've both been able to participate. And thank you, our listeners, for tuning in to connect with me or our guests. Visit lccconnect.org where you will find this information in the notes for this episode. You'll also find other episodes of Galaxy Forum and all the LCC Connect programming. 
Special thanks to our technical producer today, Lane Ingram, and to Andy Callis for composing our theme music. I'm Melissa Kaplan, and this is Galaxy Forum on LCC Connect. <laughs>